In this podcast, Lisa Dallenbach-Burkett from Mindshare talks about the future of talent. So stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Jobs of Future podcast. Today we have with us a great guest. Um, we have with us Lisa Dallenbach Burkett. Um, she's a North America Chief Talent Officer at Mindshare. A brief uh, bio. So Lisa brings a unique combination of talent expertise and a record of success as a strategic business partner and advisor to the CEO and executive leadership um, at Mindshare. Lisa leads the development implement, uh, and implementation of North American talent strategy, uh, including HR, recruiting, employee development, and staffing teams. Together, they serve about, over 1,500 bright and driven employees across US and Canada. With a shared global uh, talent goal that Mindshare is the place to do best work of your career, Lisa is uh, changing the face of talent management at Mindshare through innovative holistic programs, and a culture that is agile, employee-focused. She has transformed the talent team functions from support to all um, encompassing strategic business partners. With over 18 years of uh, industry experience, Lisa prides herself on her ability to drive long and short vision, uh, creatively uh, approach and support the business needs while creating a culture and vision uh, for the workplace. With that, uh, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Great. Um, so I think, um, by the way, wonderful background. And, and I think when, when I was looking at your profile, uh, the thing jumped out was um, that your background in talent and strategic management of a big organization and sort of making sure that they uh, they hire amazing talent. So. Could you walk us through your journey uh, to this point? Like, uh, what's your background? And I did some part in in, in this brief um, uh, pitch, but I don't know if I've covered everything. So, if you can walk us through sure. your journey and and to this, well, that will be really really helpful. Sure, um, and I'll be brief. But I, I do actually tell this story to quite a few people because my my arrival into talent management is a little bit different than others. Um, I started my career um, in packaged goods. Mm. client side at Kraft General Foods and L'Oreal. Um, so I really learned the business as a product manager. And in a desire to expand that business knowledge, I came to Digitas, which um, mm. is a full service agency, creative agency. So I worked on brands like General Motors and American Express and Barnes and Noble, um, which was amazing, right? Because I was able to really understand the different dynamics in different industries. And I had been there about seven years and they asked me to take on one of the talent roles, which was to build out learning and development for the agency starting in New York. And um, I, I tell this story quite a bit because at the time I said, no, <laughs> because I loved what I did. I love the clients. I love the space. Um, love that whole trusted advisor relationship. And so I, I tell the story because I think it's a good mentoring bit of advice I had to learn the hard way, which is when someone identifies you as something that you can do well and you might love that you don't necessarily see, don't be so close-minded and figure out a way to be flexible and make that happen. So I did do that thanks to some that same advice that I got from my mentors. And what I realized is when you're working in an organization on talent, the brand you are working on is the brand your organization. So I was still working on a brand. You still need to have strategy. It still is about making the business grow and the brand grow. So that was incredibly inspiring for me because then I was doing it 
with this group of people that I very much wanted them to personally grow. And I really firmly still believe that. My goal is to make sure that the business is growing and that talent is growing and the two in tandem, all boats will rise. It also, you see the impact of what you're doing often in a much faster, um, shorter time frame trajectory than with the client work. So from a, almost a selfish perspective, um, that was really um, satisfying. It's very inspiring to do. Interesting. And I think um, it has been a fascinating journey even for us when we talk to a lot of um, HR executives, their background, like how diverse they are uh, when they're jumping into the HR. And I think, yeah. I, 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 I think I, it helps the business. Yeah. I think it helps the business. Absolutely. And I think I, I remember that um, HR was not everyone's top of the list uh, to begin with. But right now, I think it's attracting such an amazing talent pool. And I think HR is the point of of disruption uh, when it comes to the future of, uh, of, of business. So what has been sort of that thought that that pulled you into 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 this this vertical? Like, what is that decision that that really you said, OK, maybe I should try? Well, it was, you know, again, one that um, I did come into it as a let's try it and see it. But learning that this could be the brand that I'm building. It also what pulled me in is I I constantly have at my grasp the employees, my clients, which I do look at them as my clients. I have them there to hear from them. And I do leverage the employees quite a bit um, to understand if this is going to be a brand you want to be a part of and a brand you're connected to, what does that brand need to look like? So a lot of companies do that, right? In, in various formats, right? Focus groups, research, et cetera. I can really do that in a very tactical way and in a very quick and hands-on way. And to the degree I can, I can then map that into the strategy that we're planning for the agency. I can't always do it, mm -hmm. um, but I can. So that's a very inspiring piece that I've got this group of people that can really help and give me good guidance and good in insight as to what I need to do. Often it's the same as what I think we need to do for them, but they give me really good nuggets of something different that they might be experiencing on the business, how I can make it a place for them to thrive and in fact do the best work of their career. And usually that goes in tandem. If I can get them to thrive, mm -hmm. the business does better, they're better for the clients, et cetera. So that is a whole package that works together. And that piece, that 360 piece, is really amazing to work on and be a part of. You know, my job is to facilitate it and make sure they have what they need to make that happen. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Interesting. And um, what's, if you can walk us through your current role, like what your current role entails. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Sure. So right now I have recruiting, talent acquisition, uh, human resources, and learning and development um, all roll up into me. So that takes, I look at the entire um, employee, I look at it as a life cycle and a customer journey. So from an acquisition perspective, you know, my view is the minute we talk to any candidate, whether they join us or not, and many don't, um, that's an experience. And that's right when they start to experience our brand and what we're going to be about and we work with them. And that journey, hopefully they do migrate in and they join us. Then my job is to make sure, so I want to make this the most attractive place that they can work. And that's all through the acquisition. How do I find them? Make sure it's the right job for them. If they come in, how am I setting them up for success? And segueing off of that, once they're here, really making sure they have everything in place so they can thrive and grow. So that's the human resource 
resources part is once they're here, how do we take care of them? You know, from a human perspective, a growth perspective. And that means keeping our eye on them when they're possibly ready to do something new and different. How can I be proactive about that to make sure that they choose to do it here? Do they need a new role? Do they need to rotate? We have a vast number of agencies and opportunities within our holding company overall. How can I make sure that we're really seeing that for them and that? Um, and, and that's where the learning and development piece comes in. So the talent acquisition is bringing them in and making this a very attractive place for them. Once they get her human resources, that piece to really embody whatever they need while they're here. And learning development is often part of that. How do I keep them developing and growing? So you can see how it's nice. It's a total umbrella of really taking care and helping these um, employees, whoever they are, whatever they look like. Some are first job in their career. Some are very tenured, helping them continue to thrive. Interesting. And 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 when you, um, I think so. Interestingly, you have you're you're at the both of the both of the side of, of the coin of HR. So you have been on the receiving end, and now you're on 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 the delivering yes. end of yes. the HR. So what are some of the sort of um, surprises that or a sort of anticipation mismatch that you see now being in in in, in this vertical, ensuring that the success of your of your organization when it comes to talent. Um, from when you were getting in versus now, like what are some of the surprises that you have seen? Well, it's not so much a surprise. I think I'm seeing more of a change um, in the way many corporations and HR communities are viewing HR. I think it was very functional before and you still have to have that functional excellence and operational, which is when you bring new hires in, it needs to be seamless and it needs to be easy. And benefits, all the things that operationally need to be easy from an HR perspective, and you need to have policies and places you start. But what I see more and more that I have always prided myself on and had the pleasure and good luck to work with amazing talent partners who mentored this for me before I was in HR, um, is that real human side. Um, there's a real creative side to it as well. So really, when things come our way that are employee issues, business issues, instead of that well, we don't normally do that or no, that's not our policy, a bit of a, well, like, yes, let's try. We might end up at the answer of no, but at the very least, I always want us, and that's really um, a value of our teams and HR and our offices to try. And I think that, I think corporations are seeing we need a little less of the data, 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 data. Now we'll come back mm. to data in a minute because that is really important. Mm. Um, and a bit of putting everyone in a box and here they are on this grid and that grid. We still need that to some degree, but also that, that really human um, approach to it as well. And those connection points, I think is a great value to the organization. And in my opinion, does keep people um, at an organization longer. You know, they connect with us. Um, and that's part of our, that's part of our remit. Interesting. So I see that a lot more broadly um, than we used to, not so much HR as a function, but a partner to the business and to the employees overall. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And I think, uh, so whenever I, I, I hear the word talent, <clears throat> I get sort of um, energized because I think it's a very loaded word in itself, right? So it, it, it assumes yeah. there's, a, there's a person behind it and then, and then it assumed certain kind of expectation around the skill or, or, or the capability that this person is possessing, right? Or, or, or carrying that to deliver an outcome. Now, yes. uh, as, 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 a, as a talent officer within an organization, right? So you, you are tasked with a, with a ginormous task of 
keeping your workforce relevant uh, in future right like, what are some of the challenges yeah. what are some of the some of some of the best practices that that you have sort of um, navigated through yet uh, that you can share with with our community so in terms of how we manage that um, we do have a fairly um, agile hmm. quick process we go through twice a year to really understand where our talent is and what they need from a skill set perspective and how they're doing from a performance perspective so it is not an exhaustive it's not an, and it is not something that um, is done one-on-one with the employees something that we do so we could just go through and each person and sort of quickly assess how they're doing and i can't share with you exactly how that happens but mm. it's a pretty um it's thorough yet agile um and it is the data that helps and works so we had data from say year-end performance reviews and other exercises we do and people didn't use it mm. um, it was old before we really did anything with it and so it, it wasn't a hard task to move away from that to this much more agile process that we have on the so that helps us um, and that's worked very successfully on the flip side of that i will be honest that we, i'm fine we are finding that a real challenge right now is to understand what are the skill sets that our employees need to be experts given how quickly the industry and the dynamics of the marketplace are changing so you might have a talent that you brought in a year ago which is not that long mm. i'm worried we are not worried but we are really considering and trying to be thoughtful about how we assess is this person still expert in what they're doing what do they need to be doing and learning more of to continue to be expert and what are those skill sets in the marketplace that we're not even aware of yet where we need to be upskilling people so it's a very challenging time in our industry given it's it's exciting don't get me mm. wrong um it's incredible the pace of the change but from a skill set perspective and expertise perspective it has been challenging to understand where to focus and what to focus on in terms of ensuring we are at the top notch of um what our talent needs interesting and and, and well, i say this more in a uh, future looking right so yeah. in the past it felt like you could say okay here's where this group of people we want them to progress and learn a b and c and they'll be further along in in their holistic um development and talents now it doesn't feel as clear in terms of what that mm. should be and what we should be addressing that group so that's something we're working on right now interesting and 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 from your vantage point what is a definition of a very good talent like what how do you define I love that question yeah. that's one of my favorite questions so i'll answer <laughs> it in a way if i had my dream i would never hire against skill set now i say that mm. there are certain times where you have to have specific skill sets to do specific tasks and mm. clients require you know whatever the work is that we're doing that said if i had my dream i would hire against the ethos only i, I in mm. theory i do believe you could teach people anything mm. uh, but those aptitudes around curiosity and um asking questions and being good partners being persistent all those types of things i can't teach people that's something that i do think is just innate to who you are and how you work and what makes and inspires you and makes you thrive in a workplace and so if i could hire against the ethos of the clients or the teams that need those particular is that's what i would do um because again in theory i can teach you anything but i can't change who you are and what excites you and and makes you happy to come to work every day you know some people are just not good at persevering they're just not nothing wrong with that they're different mm -hmm. um but that ability to work in partnership um so much of what we do you have your own individual contributor tasks but it's so team matrix partnership oriented with your colleagues and other uh expertise discipline owners you you need that so that would be my dream as if i hired against that 
interesting and 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 what's and to from your perspective what is a a future proof talent like what is if if i want to um stay relevant in future like what are some of the tenets that you would recommend me um that i should i should look for so so i'll answer that in a couple of ways i one i think that going back to my point earlier about the challenge of just identifying quickly and consistently what is it we need to proof the business and given the marketplace changes i think that individuals all of us need to rely on ourselves as much as the organizations were a part of to upskill ourselves and so i really think any of us should be looking around anything that's additive that we can learn and add to our expertise area i do like to think of growth um, as a bubble. Hmm. So many people think of growth as this ladder, right? I get my titles and my money and up I go, which is still important. We need to have that, especially for the marketplace. But I like to think of think of your growth in a bubble and you're here in the middle. I should draw it, diagram it for you. Any little additive piece that I'm adding so your bubble grows entirely, to me, that is growth. And that can be hmm. little things and that can hmm. be big things. It can be going to work on a different team for six months. It can be just participating in a project for three weeks. It can be shadowing someone who you're interested to know a bit more about how they work, because you know they tend to work in tandem with you, but you don't entirely under. Anything like that that you can do is gonna help all of us future-proof for going forward. And I think clarify what it is we all wanna do. Because any of those little pieces, you get a hint of, I wanna do more of that, that wasn't so much for me. So I think anything you can do to gather experiences and expand your bubble, big or small, um, and don't wait for an organization to upskill you and increase your skills. If you see something mm. you know is gonna help you be better or your team be better, be vocal about it, be um, forthcoming about it, anything you can take advantage of. And I also, one skill set I'm really seeing as becoming more and more critical as people are plugging and playing in agile teams and working across, um, not so much just in their job on their team and for one manager, they're working with multitudes of people and for many different managers and leaders. So for leaders to be able to assess talent and understand their direct reports across a matrix environment is, is really important. And that's, to me, a bit new. I haven't really seen too much of leadership training that's really addressing that type of thing. The ones that I see tend to be the best are the ones that are the most connected with other managers and other groups going on. So they have a full assessment um, of how that's working for their direct reports. And I think a lot of the tools coming in where it can allow many people to be giving feedback and comments and scoring, whatever it looks like on performance management is helping with that whole dynamic. So that was kind of an answer for the personal, uh, each of us as contributors and then also as leaders. Interesting. And I think, so that's a great segue into the leadership. I think that's, that's again, one of the areas that I definitely want your perspective on. So I think before, before this podcast, we had a conversation about, um, and we were talking about the globalization of work, workforce nowadays, right? Right. We were talking about sort of, um, and, and, you, and you're saying about metrics organization, like right now if I'm employed. So, I, and I was, I was talking to uh, a gentleman yesterday uh, about that uh, in a leadership roles, couple of years back, we used to be a tribes. Like we should, we should be very. We, we all were very tribal. I can, I can see folks that I'm managing. I, I can, I can, I can relate with them. I know their family. I know their kids. I know that that intimate connection between sort of my team and me. But right now, that sort of the empathy, the empathetic layer, or or the, that layer is so vaporized or so virtualized to a point where, uh, yes, one of one member of my team is in Japan. One my one member is in Australia. One member is in Bangalore. And I'm managing them as if I'm managing a team. 
yeah so what so what are point. what are some of the challenges that that you are seeing um in those leaders or, or like what are some of the things that that uh, what's your vantage point on we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast yeah i mean i think you're right it is a lot more challenging now um given we are so dispersed but we also have the tools to stay connected more than ever and i do think as a manager and a leader you have to find a way to make a connection point and have some kind of personal connection it doesn't have to be you know broad and knowing everything that they're doing type of thing but you have to have some sort of rapport even in the smallest of notions or to the smallest of degrees because at the end of the day i mean everyone's heard this phrase but gosh does it show up to be true mm. consistently every day people and i say this to my team we need to make this an amazing environment but people are not coming to this organization to work for this hr team <laughs> they're mm. coming to work for their leaders and their managers so somehow you were right how we connect might look different and the time spent might look different but somehow we have to make sure that we are doing that because most people do want to still feel part of that tribe it just looks different than it did before so i think that's a great point to bring up and it's something that leaders have to be thoughtful about and think through how am i going to do that i think it's also interesting when you do have a team that is on site with you and then others that are remote how do you make sure that those that are remote feel like they're getting the experience and don't feel you know left out for lack of a better word are they not hearing things are they not part are they not thought of as frequently and that's hard there's something natural about when people are sitting there in the hallway with you versus in another time zone a day away etc so i think it's a excellent point that leaders have to think about um to really be successful and make sure we are able to see it's hard for me to see what my direct report in Los Angeles needs you know so therefore going back to that connectivity piece how can i be connected with other people she's working with out there so i can understand where she's excelling where i might be able to get her more help you know, whatever it might be so i think that's a very good point that kind of pulls in all the things we're talking about interesting and and one more interesting uh, thought that i was having when you were talking about sort of this leadership perspective was so uh, i remember like i i asked my dad like my dad throughout his career worked for just just one company right that's it my mom just one company throughout their career they were just they got married joined that company retired from that company beautiful right right now we are we are at a age and i think at that point you can you can think that the technology it takes longer for things to change right. the change was not that 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 fast and i think uh, we were talking in uh, uh, in our last conversation before uh, the podcast the only constant is change right so that um, we are changing we are changing the expectation from the workforce is changing and and i think so from your vantage point as 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 a as an organizational leader for for talent how are is how are you coping up with ensuring this change uh, sort of um, uh, perception of what talent could deliver their shelf life if at all if that's the word and and what to expect yeah. and how to sort of elongate that or just appreciate whatever is going on and just just admire and and work around that business like what what's your thought on that right so a couple things on that um certainly um people move around all the time hmm. um our population 
um, I think 80% of our staff is under the age of 35. I mean, so we're mm. young, right? And they, so they're young in their career. Mm. Um, and there also seems to be this thing that they feel like after they've been somewhere for two years, they have to, they have to move. Mm. Um, so a couple of things to address that. I mean, A, I always tell people, you do not want to be at any company that's not changing, right? Because we've put in a lot of changes in the last couple of years and change as we're all humans is not easy for us. That said, given we've talked so much already about all the change going on right now in the industry, in the marketplace, you don't want to be somewhere that's not changing Mm -hmm. and you want to be somewhere that's going to allow you to change and grow with the changes that we come about, even if we can't necessarily identify them right now. So I do speak to employees quite a bit about that. And then secondly, Um, everything we have put in place from a strategy perspective in the last two and a half years is about employee growth. So Mm. I used to get the question all the time, right? Like, why in the world would you stay at a company? I was at Digitas for 15 years. And Mark Hurd, um, who's the CEO, God, I want to say it was at Cisco. He was at, I heard him at a, um, he was there for 25 years. And people used to ask him, why in the world would you stay somewhere for 25 years? Like your parents were talking about. And I tell this story quite a bit mine as well. If you are somewhere in an organization where, you like the people you work with, the culture aligns with your belief system, you are growing, you believe in what you are doing, why would you go somewhere else? If you're not growing, mm. that is an entirely different story. And I say mm. to employees all the time, if you are not growing, I do not want you to be here. I, that's not right. Um, but I say to them, do not leave until you come to us and let us make sure we don't have other opportunities. I mean, listen, as part of WPP and Group M, we have a tremendous number of opportunities and agencies and places for people to grow and stretch. And so both Mindshare and Group M, that is one of our key strategic um, pillars right, right now is growth. And at Mindshare in particular, everything that we have done is to ensure we have agility in terms of skill sets and we're learning and the work that we are on and allows for a growth platform. And in fact, the annual reviews that we used to have that um, we eliminated and got rid of, we replaced them with what we call the growth conversations, Mm. which is to ensure at least once a year, it's a very formal, in-depth conversation around what do employees want to do? Are Mm. you happy? Do you feel inspired? Do you, et cetera. So to me, you know, we have seen from a metrics perspective, um, our attrition go up from that. We've seen engagement go up. Um, So there, and there's a whole holistic set of programs, including a whole, um, um, website and app that goes in that with feedback and goal planning and that kind of thing. And a lot of it's on a very community oriented basis. We got a lot of feedback. As I said, I hear from my employees what they want. They Mm -hmm. said often, you know, I know what I'm doing, um, but I'm not sure it's still a priority. So that was one thing to tackle and fix. We plan more often. And then secondly, they said, I work on this huge team. So I have no idea what the fellow down the hall is doing or the woman sitting across from me, even though we're on the same team. So they wanted more transparency around that because even that type of context and that type of planning together is growth, right? You're moving a much larger enterprise project for our client possibly than just the piece that you own. So it becomes more inspiring as well. So my hope is there, are we going to keep employees here forever? No, of course not. Mm. I think that we're doing a good job to put things in place to ensure we keep them longer um, than the marketplace typically does. Interesting. Interesting. And I think um, um, I I, I was thinking about, I think it it was said by Richard Branson that you, I think, um, empower your workers so much that they can leave and inspire them so much that they won't. Right. So uh, I like that. So and I think uh, I I remember like um, I was talking to one of uh, one of I think uh, someone in in HR leadership 
couple of months back about um, the IBM's. I think IBM used to have that cash line that start your career with us, right? So career yeah, is a very right. career career is a very big term. It's right? very low again, very loaded term. Right. And 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 I think uh, I want your vantage point on this thought of when anyone joins a company and say Mindshare, how much is Mindshare responsible to keep them employable? If not employed, right? So the idea is that I think you, you talked about um, uh, about yeah. em- empowering workers, right? And I think you you, you talked about um, employee development. How much of the development is I think and and, and uh, to give you a background, so um, the whole thing started. I think I, I met one of the guy. He was working for one of the top IT uh, uh, IT firm in the world, um, and he got he, so he got like for four years employee of the year award best yeah. talent he was filing parent application um, he has i think 30 or so pay- patents uh, under his belt and then he said vishal i was let go and i'm looking for my next gig so i took his profile a resume and gave to the top industry in the in his area of expertise and that company said he's obsolete and i said really and I, and my pitch to this guy was hey he got he was like employee of the year for 4 years he is the best that that company has to offer grab him before he leaves I said no, thank you. Uh, he's not there yet. So, uh, I, like, I don't want to get into detail on why they said yes or why they said no. But, yeah. but, but, but the the very aspect this guy came to be saying, hey, who should I blame for this problem? Right? When I was in in that particular company, I was treated like a rock star within the company. Right? I was appreciated yeah, for my work. Yeah, that's very challenging. Yeah. Right. And yep. the moment I come out, I realize, whoa, like, I, that's not the top of the edge. I thought I was top of the edge, and I was doing whatever. Sure. Right? So how much it from, from, still, but in that situation, you know, I would say because you're rock star employee of the year at one organization, they have a criteria or a, a, mm. a set of how they're evaluating that that might not be applicable somewhere else. Mm. I think you have to take that in the place where you were. You were astounding and really clearly consistently called out for this award. Um, but that's in that that frame. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to understand more is, is that framework have to do around um, skill set aptitudes and work aptitudes and hmm. driving efficiencies on the business or ROI or that type of thing? Because I'd be hard pressed to think, even if it's not in the same industry, if you see right. someone understands how to drive those metrics and understand, you know, those are the, those are the metrics for anybody, right? Cost efficiencies, ROI, growth of the business, scaling the business, um, I'd be surprised, and, and if that was some, no one would call that obsolete, right? Everyone wants that. Yeah. Um, so if we think about it that way, I think anyone, if they can look at what they're doing and how are they able to think about it in those those frameworks, am I driving things efficiently? Am I am I taking costs out of the system? Am I scaling the business? Am I doing more? Am I innovating um, for our clients? That's one thing I tell my team all the time. Hmm. Even as HR, we have to be innovative. You know, going back to what we started talking in the beginning and we were speaking about, you know, we can sit here and do the same thing all the time. It's probably fine. But let's always ask ourselves the question, like, can we do it better? The answer might be no. Like, we're doing it as best we can. But I think we have to start with that question and push ourselves and innovate where we can. And that always drives those other factors, most likely, or some of them as well. So my suggestion would be for people to you know, future-proof yourself and not be obsolete. It's kind of always keep those business metrics in mind and think about the job you're doing. And can you frame it in those? Or can you pick one or two of those and see how you can drive some of those again 
and strong skill sets. And going back to, you know, I think we all have to be on top of how can we continue to learn, even in the smallest of ways, um, to up our skill set and up our game and things we're seeing. I think that's a collective job right now. Um, Interesting. You know, we're doing as much as we can, organizations are, but I think collectively you have to think about that. And I'm sure if any employee of yours, there are, mine came up to me and said, listen, I'm seeing that we need to be better understand X, Y, and Z. Can we take these classes and be reimbursed? There's usually, even if it's through tuition reimbursement, ways to do that. I think that's that's a very very interesting point. I think and, and you are hitting on some of the some of the very critical point. Um, even like I as an entrepreneur, right? So my what keeps me up at my night is something like the similar scenario. I want yes. to be the employer of this guy, right? So if I have if I have a mem team member in my team who is somehow getting obsolete, what it's telling me as an entrepreneur is my business is getting obsolete, right? If I'm curing him and whatever, right? And I'm I'm appreciating him for whatever he's doing to my my products and my my company. But on the other side, um, the thing that's so I'm not I, I'm I'm losing edges as well, and and needless to say that business is struggling. Uh, the top IT firm, right? And and now I think that's that's another piece of the puzzle, right? So I think I, I as 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 an uh, as an entrepreneur, tried my anxiety with with this worker is hey, how can I keep themselves out of their mind, right? How can I sort of show them the perspective that hey, you have to look outside to figure out your locus of locus wow. of knowledge or, or whatever. Like, how do you keep yourself that, hey, I am the best this particular talent has to offer and then now contribute. So from your vantage point, how much of this is responsibility of, of HR, like our talent or, or, or on, on the talent belt to keep these guys at the top of their game when it comes to what's happening in the industry? I mean, I would say... Not that much, because I would also say anything to do um, with development of people has got to be closer to the line. I mean, we, I really mm. pride myself on having teams that are very connected to mm. the business and to the leaders, and we work with them in a very seamless, continuous fashion. But the business and the line is is where they're going to know what needs to be evolved and what training needs to happen. Now, it's our job to be working with those leaders and from almost, let's say, a needs assessment perspective understand what the needs are but it's mm. really for the line and the businesses to identify that for us you know we're just not close enough working in it day in and day out to know that um, and then our job is to prioritize that right so how much of that can we get done internally what can we do to solve for it externally um, but it's an interesting going back to your starting point that you know what keeps us up at night and mm. obsolete on um, but you know maybe the word is not obsolete but evolved you know I, mm. I often ask leaders yeah. Have we evolved the way that we're doing things so that we might be smarter and better? And yes, we need, we're doing it better and we're doing it differently. And that's a different skill set. It's not such a bad thing. And yes, I think that is a big challenge is how do you then manage that change to a new process and a new way of doing things once some of you get there or half the team gets there or you're, you see it and doing it. I think that's a tough, um, it's tough to see it and then tough to identify and manage through that change. Interesting. I think very, very valid point. And, and Lisa, thank you for sharing that. And Let's think, not stay up at night anymore. It's not obsolete. It's evolved. <laughs> <laughs> That's a We're good evolving. point. Oh, it's, I think it's, 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 it's paranoia. I think it's more, more than anything, but, but no, I think it's hard. Yeah, I know. And, and, and now, now, now let's talk about the organizational role. I think we have very nicely segued into the organization now. So how would they keep themselves jazzy enough to attract great talent? Like what are some of your thoughts on, a, a, a good organization inviting good talent. Like, what are some of the tenets of 
organization that attracts great talent some of the characteristics we look for yeah so i you know maybe a couple of years ago i would have said everybody's got the same skill set by the time you get that pool of candidates right they've all roughly got the skill set to have them in that final pool and it comes down to those pieces around can you be collaborative can you persevere are you intellectually curious that type of thing um, and I, I think that still holds true, at least for me. There's also, um, in our business, at least there's a big chemistry component. And I think mm. people need to be okay with that and not afraid of it. And that's the reality sometimes. You know, you are working a fair amount with your team, with your leaders, with your clients. Um, and certainly as the more senior you get, that chemistry piece is real. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not to say um, it, it just is a factor. And so that casting piece of how we cast teams with different client needs and client personalities, et cetera, is an important one. And that's not anything anybody can change and you don't wanna change who you are. You wanna be cast the right way. So I do also think that's part of that piece is HR's um, a big piece with the leaders. But that to me is our role is to make sure we are casting the right teams and the right talent and then setting them up for success once they're put on teams. You know, there's times, you know, admittedly where we will have a large influx of people coming in on a team and we can do a better job of making sure they're set up for success versus, oh my gosh, let's get the next 50 people in the door kind of thing. Mm. So I think that setting up for success is really important. So skill set wise, I think everything we've covered where doing your best to show where you've upskilled and show the work that you've done and show the impact on the business and the impact on your team, whatever that might be. Um, but those other ethos that do, in my opinion, set people apart, at least in our business, which is, you know, those kind of those ethos that I've talked about, um, they're, they're important. And they do, you know, when all is a net neutral down here, skill set wise and talent wise, those are the things the people that ask the questions, that can have some patience, that will push ahead. You know, there's one guy I can think of right now. We have put him in a couple of situations. He had no training at all. His mm. answer to us probably should have been, I've never done that before. His answer was, and that's why we picked him. Hmm. I, let me try that out. Let me give it a try. Let me not let you be close by for guidance. Let me know. I mean, he's he learned and learned and grown and grown. So that kind of spirit and fortitude, I think, is really critical. Interesting. And I think um, so. Uh, while staying in the organization, I think I remember um, I was talking one of the at, with one of the recruiters at one of the pre prestigious um, uh, consulting firm. Um, and, and he said it really well. He said, Vishal, my talent, and this is could be very personal to this guy. So he said, my strategy for great talent is, if you're looking for me, I'm not looking for you. So I said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and, and his perspective was that if you are hitting a recruiter for a job, you're doing it wrong. And I said, wow, let me think about it. And then he said that, hey, you should, so... And, and then I ask him, hey, does that mean that your employees um, in your company, are they open enough to talk to, say, other other folks talking and all that? So it requires our, the entire cultural shift, right? Uh, so that guy's small pitch means the entire culture needs to be that, hey, each each worker is getting um, uh, great talent. And then and then interestingly, I started talking to a lot of um, follow-on executives about their top hire stories. And most of them come from referrals. Right. So they say the yep. only thing that, that works is referral. Like I so now from your vantage point, like how important is this perception of organization inviting interesting talent? Like so I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I 
I say that to my team even. You know, any of us, our goal should be that people rave about us, right? I mean, mm. I, I say to my team, your goal is no, no different than if you were staffed on a client business. And if I go to the client and say, well, I'm going to move Susie off your business, the client has a fit and says, no, 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 I need her on my business. That should be all of our goal. I mean, because you and I know that that talent that does rise above someone talks about them or mentions them or you hear, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so, you immediately will rave about that person. And I think that is true across the board. So even in, I mean, don't laugh, but even in situations, so when you're we were hiring babysitters, it's the people that get raved about, I'm like, oh, there's something there. <laughs> Not the general, like, yep, they're good, they're this, they're that. And I also think this ties back to followership. It's a great, um, I know a lot of leaders will ask, um, you know, senior level uh, candidates about their followership because followership tells everything. You know, if you have people that follow you from place to place, that says it all. You don't even have to dig in and ask why. It just says it right there. So I think that's an interesting one for any of us to ask ourselves is how can we drive followership um, for us of our brand? How do we inspire people to want to come and work with us? And am I doing enough to make sure these people know that I'm always going to take care of them, know that they're going to grow with me, know that they're going to be inspired, know that I'm going to be human with them. Are they willing to, when I call them, say, you don't even need to tell me about the job, I'm going. And there's people who will do that. Interesting. I think uh, so I, I think there's truth to it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because but to me, you can tell I believe in this so solid, right? It does come back to those other attributes, right? I mean, everyone, can, if you've got a bunch of people that can do the job, the ones that are like, yeah, I'll go for that with you. Hey, let's try this. Hey, do we think of that? Let's ask that question. Let's ask so-and-so maybe that, you know, those people that really holistically get in and partner with any of us to think about how to move the work forward. Those are the ones you want on your team. They and are. I think, uh, and I think uh, to your point, um, I definitely find it way harder to hire a babysitter than, a, than an employee. So it's not easy. You know, I, I mention that only because I think it's true across the board. When someone <laughs> raves about someone passionately, you know there's something there. And I think so. One one, one other interesting story, and I, and it's coming again from the from a, from my personal bias, by the way. So I have some fund um, allocated for say training, and I said employees, hey guys, take this and enjoy. Like you you should get trained, find an interesting course. It doesn't have to be directly related with work. Just have fun. Just go out, do yeah. something, and rarely anything gets used. I get it back. And then I, I asked a bunch of other executives. I said, hey, how do you solve this problem? Like, I want this freaking funds to go away because then probably productivity will come back in. But all I get is the, that cash back and not being used. And I got like, to my surprise, the same story. Like money businesses struggling to get their employees go out and get trained. Like they don't, they don't, because obviously it's hard, it's hard for them to figure out which course. Well, it's, it's an effort away. It's house thing too, right? You got to go off site, you got to make the time. Yeah. I mean, it's logistically, that's the first hurdle. Yeah. And so, so what's, what's your thought? Like how important is, and what's your, from your vantage point, what has been your observation on how are sort of how the, is it HR's responsibility to ensure that workers are getting trained because their tendency is not to get trained. Their tendency is to just do the yeah. easiest I mean, thing. Listen, in the, in the I unequivocally, I mean, I think my job is to offer what I can from an opportunity perspective for the employees at our organization as we prioritize, but it's not, you know, people have got to take it amongst themselves to show up. 
and go find things to do. I mean, an example is even on my current team, I had every one of them identify three things that they were really good at, that they either had deep experience in or something that didn't have to be at the current, at our current organization or in their current role, but were three things that they knew they had done that they could teach the rest of the team. And so we put together literally a training, a cross training curriculum and agenda. And every three weeks we go through, we pick one person in one of their expertise areas and we cross train each other. I mean, it could be as simple as that. I mean, that's my team. Any team can do that. But I, I don't think teams and employees can look to HR to train them. We're only going to have a piece of the puzzle. We're going to most likely have the things that are the priority that's going to map across the broadest group of people or uh, a, a need or a priority such as it's a new business that we brought on that has to be a focus right now, which might mean that another business over here doesn't get as much attention right now. It's just mm. that's how it goes sometimes. And so you can't look to HR and say, well, they didn't give me that opportunity, you know, identify it yourself. There are so much learning to be had between, I mean, all of us, I think right now, I mean, there's MOOCs out there. There's so many learning opportunities we can take advantage of. Plus with technology, you could connect with anybody. I'm sure you and I could pick any skill set we wanted to learn, zip onto LinkedIn, find mm -hmm. somebody, connect with them. So I think we all have to be a bit of make it happen for ourselves and then know in tandem you're at an organization that also is going to offer you opportunities as well for the roles you're currently in. Interesting. And I think um, it's, it's, it's interesting you said uh, we'll look for a, a guy on LinkedIn or a gal on LinkedIn and then connect with them to, for learning. That's, that's another observation that I have seen and I want your perspective on that. So whenever I asked my HR at, at one point in the past saying, hey, how to train, how to empower workers. And she said, hey, these are a bunch of courses, a bunch of MOOCs, a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Let's get to that, right? And then I said, okay, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Then I started investigating into this area, this area of uh, how to empower workers, and I realized only one other thing that you could do is train them. The other thing is like mentor mentees, like empower them with the networks that were that are pretty much equip these guys. And many times, and I think, and we 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 had a conversation about this uh, even before podcast um, that in like in future. We don't know where, where the technology is coming from, what technology we are right. heading to. Almost everything that we are working now is going through transformation, right? So when we are working in a, in, in, in a time when they, they, there's too much transformation going on, we don't know what would be the skill requirement of future. And I, interest, right. in, interestingly, I was talking to uh, one of the uh, chief learning officers for one of the very large company. And he said, he told me a very interesting uh, statement. He said, Vishal, you know what? When the shelf life of a skill is shrinking more than it will take yeah. you to educate someone, everything go out, goes out of the window, right? So I cannot empower the workers anymore. It's not in my control anymore to sort of educate these guys. So from your vantage point, how do you think HR or talent organization could keep their workers so sort of crisp when it comes to this rapidly changing ecosystem or very transformative times? Yeah, I mean, the one place we focus on is, you know, we are asking many of our employees to lead teams. So in from that respect and regard, I think if we are asking them to lead teams, we need mm. to put in place tools and learning for them so they know how, how to do that. Nobody, very few people are natural leaders and that evolves, right? So, mm. you know, programs that serve leaders as soon as they become a leader for the first time. Mm. And then when you're 
about nine to 12 months in, you've learned a bit, right? You have some self-awareness around like, ooh, that's a challenge for me and I'm really good at this over here. How can I really start shoring up uh, my total um, leadership ability? And when you become more senior, what leadership looks like becomes different, at least in our business, because right, it becomes leading clients and leading mm. um, negotiations and leading teams across agencies and, and different like that. So from that respect, I feel like HR or the organization does have um, an obligation. We're asking them to do this. And so we need to train them there. And if we are bringing in people, let's say I do hire people on the ethos that I want to, mm. and they don't necessarily have the skill set. Well, then, yes, I have an obligation to make sure I'm training them and bring them in, set them up for success. Um, again, going back to having them, you know, upskilling them and future proofing them as much as we can. But again, I, I don't, don't see it. I see it as HR's job to identify and prioritize with, you know, with the leadership team that is for the organization. But I also really think it's those on the ground, the leaders and any of us to understand. I mean, I would recommend to anybody get a networking group. You know, people think networking is just for looking mm. for a job. I mean, networking is incredible to just get together with a peer set of colleagues who are, have your same skill set in your same industry, doing the same job that you are and just learn from them. How are you approaching that? How are you doing different? What are struggles you're finding right now? How are you addressing this and that? That's incredible learning. And honestly, it's probably the most valuable learning because it's really real and really tangible from someone else right in the moment versus what I can have someone come in and teach you in a setting type of thing. So, you know, I really recommend that. I mean, I do it from an L&D perspective. I have an L&D networking group and we get together every couple of months and just literally like, what are you guys challenged with? What are you working on? How are you approaching this? new vendors you've used, all that type of thing. And anybody can do it. So I think there's things that HR and the organization do have an obligation to be giving to employees. But I really think you you need to go be doing that and you need to be want to be seeking that for yourself and helping yourself rise up versus your peers as well or with your peers, however you want to look at that. Um, so I don't entirely think that's HR's role. Right. Interesting. And and and, and from your vantage point, what what is... If I'm a startup, right, what do you suggest me I should do to attract amazing talent? Like what are some of the things that you could suggest that I would do um, that that sort of, again, uh, attracts some great talent in my organization? Right. Um, you know, I'm of the belief that, um, and this is our strategy is baked in this. I am of the belief that if you bring in talent and let them know that they are going to have opportunities to grow which is going to align with the business mm. and they are going to succeed here and they're going to grow. I mean, the two should grow together. Um, and if the business scales, they should be able to scale. And, you know, my, my belief is that is the number one thing that talent today is looking for is opportunities to grow mm. and that it's an open environment, right? That we are aware of that and we don't want to, I, I, I think we have some work to do um, at Mindshare and Group M right now. And we're really opening that up this year of, you know, and I think many organizations, they bring people in for a specific role and then that's the role that they do. And our thought is, yes, bring them in. But after a year, we need to look at like, OK, what do they want to do next? And we've just put in some programs in place that let them explore um, in a way that's not too disruptive to their current job. But so they get a sense of what they want to do. Group M is opening an entire um, office and program similar to your your career center on college mm -hmm. campuses. Um, we have a new building down at Three World Trade this summer and it will be a career center so people can nice. explore like gosh what else can I do outside of this that my current skill set and 
So I personally, I, that's what I feel like talent is looking for. And we're trying to do everything we can um, to drive. I call it mobility. That's to my team, my core value for this year. How can I drive that agile mobility in work and what we're doing? If I had my drivers, I would also be picking and identifying different teams or, or rather work that needs to be done and how, how I can plug and play the talent quickly on a project, off a project, on a project, off a project. That's amazing learning for any of them. Mm. So we'll, we'll get there, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what's your, what's your thoughts on um, so-called gig economy? Like, how, from your vantage point, how is, um, I think, how is the, the enterprise landscape from your vantage point is changing when it comes to uh, all these self-serve tools or all these sort of gigified sort of workforce that's available are you seeing that um, getting into the prime time of your ecosystem or what's your, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I do, I see, I think it's overwhelming. I think there's so much out there um, and mm. I see teams, you know, leveraging tools and learning about tools. But my wish is that there was greater sharing of it. Um, I think certain mm. teams use different tools, use different technology, which can be an issue from a client perspective and security perspective as well. So we have to watch that. But I wish there was better sharing of it and understanding. Again, I feel like it's it's an overwhelming bit um, right now, in my opinion, in terms of the ecosystem is so large. So we're kind of pulling off one by one what we want to try and do. But um, I, I, I feel like the more teams can be efficient and be agile and be quick, and there's so much out there that allows us to do that and be better with our time, I think we just have to take advantage of it. Because the market and the demands for speed and to do that are requiring it. So... I think anywhere we can find the help, go for it. Um, but I think it's overwhelming. I think there's a lot out there. And it's, in my opinion, I don't see this suite of things like, okay, here's the best practices. I think there's this whole universe out there right now, which is a good thing, right? It's a lot of opportunity. It's a lot of sorting to do though. I, that was I a very vague answer to you to say, I'm not, I'm, we're not sure yet. Said. I think beautifully said. I, I, I remember, um, again, one of the executives, he said it the best. He, so he said, Vishal, you know what, nowadays, we have so many options and almost yeah. everyone is trying to sell us, but really anyone is trying to tell us. So I said, that's it. Right. So, so he said that it's, it's, right. it's so hard that I've even stopped listening. So I said, that's, that's great. Right. Yeah. Going back to the question around the talent that comes to me and says, Hey, you know, because I, as managers and leaders, I'm not entirely aware of how that group works and that group works and that right. group works. The talent that comes to me and says, Hey, you know, we're working this way. We think about this technology might help us. This can help us be more efficient. That's the talent I want to keep. To me, they are partnering with us to be better, to innovate and drive us all forward because I might not see it. Chances are I might not. They're the, everyone's going to have a different perspective and vantage point based on the work. You know, our organization's quite large, so I'm not going to see it all. No way. So the talent that will do that and bring that to me and collaborate with me to understand what is best for the organization Hands down, that's the best. Interesting. The best. <clears throat> Interesting. So let's, them. <laughs> no, I think that's 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 a great point. And let's let's for a moment get on the very or get on the sort of crystal ball, all the future of of talent organizations. So what what are some of the prophecies or what are some of the things that you are that you could predict? How the talent will or the perception of talent um, would change in the future? Like what's what's your take on? Sort no, of I guess my hope is. I don't know what I can predict. It's my hope and um, I, what we strive for is that people see talent as an indisputable tool 
for scaling their business. So in ours, you know, people is what we have. That is what we bring to our clients. So we have to be that way. But I, I'm speaking broadly for other verticals and industries, you know, because I really do think whether you are sitting there doing a task that you just do all day, you are critical to the business. And I do hope people see that. But the more we invest in talent, um, which is, again, is the real part where I'm, we're going back to the beginning, speaking about coming in, you know, I think we need less function in HR and more human, the more we're investing in this, it's human capital, it's mm. human resource. The more we are investing in all of us together as humans, the better all the output and inspiration and organi organizations we're going to have, um, hands down. So that is my hope that I see. And, and a lot of the senior leaders I've been speaking with recently in, in entirely different industries in mind, banking and, mm. um, you know, oil and gas. There was this one woman, you know, they're all moving in that direction. Less of the stuff, less of the process, more of the people and the human. Who are we? What are we collectively trying to accomplish? And how can we together become teams as we need to, to get that done, disassemble, come back together and potentially different teams to move the work forward. So to me, that feels like the really seamless, fluid, agile workforce that mm. inspires all around and drives a business. I think it's very difficult to do, um, very difficult to do. And, and, and what is the future of learning and development uh, within, within, within an organization? So what would you see the future be? Like, would, would you see it um, getting outside supporting these guys or would it be something that the companies would have inside, like it would still retain, uh, companies would retain a substantial L&D focus um, within, within the organization? I, I, think what's your thing? I think it's both. I mean, I think most companies, certainly ours, has a lot of proprietary learning that they want to share around processes that are specific to our business, our clients, et cetera. So I think there's a lot that still needs to come in from internally. Again, going back to that piece to really set up employees for success. Mm. But I do think the universe of what you can learn and how easily it's accessible outside of work, we have to be taking advantage of that. Don't wait for any organization to sit there and tell you to take advantage of that. Just go take advantage of it. I mean, it wasn't like this 15 years ago, you know? So I think there's a lot out there. Um, and an organization is not going to get entirely to you what you might need or want. Interesting. Interesting. Most likely you won't get entirely there. Especially the things that are just interesting to you and might open your eyes to something different you want to do. I think uh, let's, let's, let's uh, spend some time on you. Like, so in, uh, in your journey, what are um, say one to three tenets of success uh, that has helped you stay sane uh, through your leadership roles? Um, I would say mentorship. I'm going to call that number one and number two um, because I, I define that differently. So, firstly defined as the mentors that you are specifically assigned to and the ones that you organically create um, are. You've got to have those trusted resources that you can go to and give you candid, good advice. Mm. My second um recommendation is you know i always look to leaders and experts in the field and i watched them i think there's an incredible amount of learning and observation and watching so i would watch leaders that everybody wanted to be on that mm. individual's team and i watch how they operated and why um, i would watch what made people so interesting in a room to, to listen to or why the clients loved a certain leader so i think observation you know Identify those that inspire you and inspire others and just watch how they act hmm. um, and see what you can learn there. Um, and I think the third one is to be open-minded. Um, I think many of us have, 
have a set, uh, you know, I'm very goal oriented and very excited and passionate about what I'm doing and where I'm going, you know, mm. open your eyes and pick your head up once in a while to consider something entirely different that you might not have. I wouldn't be in my career if I hadn't done that. And I didn't have people pushing me to do that. So I think also going back to this learning bit and roles of the future, I think we've all got to be a bit more eyes wide open and try things that might seem entirely not tangential at all to what we're doing, but you never know. They might be the universe slide. So and those would be my my three. That's that's awesome. And and so uh, one thing we ask all of our our, our, our guests is one book that they could recommend um, to our listeners and viewers. Oh, do you have any recommendation? I do. All right. So this is one of my favorite books, but I never recommend it because it's so long. So <laughs> <laughs> I will, I refuse to give it to anybody because it's a favorite. So I will not loan it. And I can't give somebody a thousand page book um, because uh, then you have the guilt of reading a thousand pages. So the book is Sean Taram. You may have heard of it. Um, it's an amazing story. It's a true story. Um, about an ex-con from Australia who goes to India um, as he's on the run after he gets out of prison. The reason I love the book so much is because I had the incredible experience to visit India for the first time uh, last year. It is the most amazing culture and country I have ever been to. And what I loved about this book in the beginning is this author articulated it so beautifully, the culture and the soulfulness of that country that I felt so moved by and couldn't articulate myself. So it's a, it's a, it's a historical fiction, I guess, of some sort, but that is my favorite novel right, right now. Um, awesome. It's a thousand pages. I could not put it down. <laughs> the other from a business perspective, I also will say still one of my favorite books of all time is Good to Great. Hmm. I think I, I that are timeless. Right. Time I, I agree. I, I agree. Time and, 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 so, uh, thank you so much, Lisa. I think that's that's really thank really helpful. So, so we nice. are almost we are almost almost at the, at the last question. So, uh, okay. and not the least. So, uh, from this conversation, if uh, what would you uh, like our listeners and viewers to take away from our conversation? Like, what would be a cl your closing remark for our audience? So, you know, I feel like it's a remark we've all heard, but I. I believe it's never been truer that ability to push yourselves, be open-minded and explore it all because there's so much opportunity to do it. Now mm. the businesses and what any one of us is doing every day really requires it. And you can only better yourself. You can only better your team. You can only better whatever you're working on by really pushing and asking the questions and being curious about how we can do it better. So I think it's hard. We're all working a lot um, and there's pressure. So the thought of really going to ask me to push it harder, I think push it. Mm. It's inspiring. Learn from it. It will only make you better. And going back to our entire topic today, future proofing, to mm. me, that is the simplest, most available, tangible way to do that. Um, so I would encourage everyone, you know, make a goal that twice mm. a month. I mean, that's just, that's not a lot, right? That could be your new streak. Forget Snapchat. Make your streak that you're going to every week try something new or different or try to learn something and see how it goes. See how it goes. Awesome. With that, um, Lisa, again, thank you so much. I think thank you have been, you. It's been it's, such a pleasure. And, and it was such, being such a candid with your time and, and being very generous and, and sharing some of the amazing insights for our listeners and viewers. You're always welcome back on the podcast. Wish you nothing but to. success in your journey. Um, and Thank you so much. And whenever you're in Boston, let me know and we can meet over a coffee or something. I will. Thank you so much. I definitely will. Have Be a, well. Have a Thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it And I go into the booth feeling nervous Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on the